On this morning's show, we have John Schofield, Managing Director at Tempest Investments. Good morning, John. Yes, hello. Good morning, Newton. And we have Hao Zhu, Chief Economist at GTJAI. Good morning, Hao. Hi, good morning. So I think let's start with the US and the PCE numbers, which uh, showed that inflation seems to be easing. Um, that followed quickly on to, from the rate hikes that we saw last week. Do you think the last rate hike was necessary, or could it have been something they could have probably waited for a few or a couple more meetings before deciding, given that the uh, inflation numbers continue to be trending downwards? Um, sure. I, I think um, uh, my take is really that what we need to understand is the Fed has been remarkably consistent um, over the last uh, 18 months or so um, and really, you know, has flagged up where it's going. Uh, I think that's helped enormously market uh, sentiment in, in, in equities in particular. Um, my further view is that the... You know, we need, we're going to see a period, a sustained period, where interest rates are higher than the, the rate of inflation. Um, you know, to correct the period we had where they were r ridiculously low compared with emerging inf inflation. That's the way that um, you know the inflation will be squeezed out uh, permanently, as it were. Um, so I don't. Um, uh, I think they did the right thing by having you know. They said maybe a year ago they said that the target was was somewhere around where we are now, and they, we finally got there, um, and it's paying off. So I don't think they will certainly. I don't think it will change direction uh, anytime soon. Well, maybe I can add one point here. Yeah. Uh, basically, I think the most important thing for the Fed is to manage the expect, uh, inflation expectations. I think that's the most important job. So it doesn't matter in the way the Fed will hike or not in the next a few months, or even they could you know, cut interest rates. The most important thing is still that as long as the interest uh, inflation is above the 2% target, you know, the Fed need to be relatively careful and also remain the overall kind of risk environment restrictive. I think that's the most important takeaway uh, from the past few uh, FOMC meetings. Yeah, as John said, I mean, from a historical basis, even where it is today, it's still kind of low. I mean, okay, it's not low, low, but if you take over the you know, 100-year period, where we're at is actually considered to be quite low interest rates. Obviously, over the last 20 years, we've had these zero interest rate environments and all. Um, so what happens? I, mean, I know markets want them to cut as quickly as possible when the cycle's over, but the Fed are actually saying otherwise. So do we listen to the Fed or do the Fed buckle to what the markets want? Well, you know, from my perspective, I think, you know, uh, the interest rate will be kind of uh, remain elevated over kind of foreseeable future or even next uh, decade. Mm. You know, basically, uh, I think, you know, one thing is clear is that, you know, of course, there's a split between the market and Fed because the markets get used to the low environment, uh, but the Fed need to look at inflation. So that's why, you know, Mr. Powell also mentioned that even the Fed could cut interest rates, but that will be accompanied with the so-called quantitative tightening, which means that the Fed will reduce its balance sheet. So I think the message is very clear from Fed. The market always tried to say that there's a, some kind of a leeway but I think, you know, this is definitely some kind of split between the market and the Fed, and the Fed need to manage the, these kind of expectations. Mm. John? Yes, I agree. A lot of um, 
the, this this business of the we've got a whole industry out there of people who are trying to second guess and or even manipulate the Fed um, for reasons unknown. I think we're in a new environment altogether where where you know finally we've got a um, a sensible. You, you see, I don't think um, I don't think having reason, reasonably high uh, short-term interest rates is uh, relatively high, as you said, is bad for the economy. It's um, it's helping uh, consumer demand because it's it's adjusted the the, the um, balance back in favour of, uh, of savers. Um, you know, the the um, asset inflation which preceded this. Um, uh, massive asset inflation that preceded this uh, this um, general inflation period was, um, you know, I think I think very damaging. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you talk about savers, but I mean, there are a lot of big companies out there that do have quite high cash holdings as well, and I guess that could potentially go to work as well, given the fact they're now starting to get interest rates, or interest on their cash, and decent interest on their cash as well. Yes, I mean, uh, well, they they should be boosting their dividends uh, or even buying back shares or whatever to return cash that they um, they can't use, they can't invest um, to, to the shareholders. Um, interesting, actually, changing tax slightly. Of course, that's what we've seen <laughs> happening in Japan. Um, the Japanese corporate sector has finally started to... Um, to focus on shareholder value and rewarding shareholders, and that's one of the reasons why the, you know, the Nikkei and the stock market has got has uh, recovered so so well. Well, I mean, you started with Japan. I mean, we can go on and talk about the um, BOJ's decision. Um, well, I think you know, uh, you know, basically, uh, what BOJ uh, somehow you know again surprised the market. I think that will be creating some kind of create, uh, communication issues uh, in the mm. future. You know, we always uh, question you know the BOJ's credibility, and now again, you know, this kind of maybe it's a small surprise, but again, you know, this is uh, some mm. kind of communication problem here. So you know, uh, for Japan, the most important thing here is that you know the interest rates, long-term interest rates, you know, borrowing rate is about one percent, but inflation is above four percent. So which means that mm. you do anything, any investment will make money. This basically, you know, make the BOJ need to be uh, catching up. But I'm, I'm really kind of uh, have uh, a big another maybe even bigger question on that i believe that the boj will continue to behind the curve maybe for another kind of decade so which also mm -hmm. you know make the nikkei uh, looks very kind of attractive <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah it's um let's say the the uh, conversion of the corporate sector into japan to uh, um you know uh, new values has, has not been reflected in in the in. I mean, they, they have a big problem in terms of a huge um, government debt and so on. The uh, the bond market is you know monopolised by the Bank of Japan itself, owns um, you know a huge portion of the the outstanding. So how that's all going to be unwound is um, uh, is very difficult. But again, I I think they um, I think they should not be afraid. Um, um, to to you know start to put uh, you know give give again savers and people with money in the bank a, a, a decent return on their money. I think that will do a lot actually to um, to support uh, consumer confidence in in in, in Japan. 
I was going to touch on that. I was going to say, I mean, you talk about inflation at 4%, interest rates at 1%. You're therefore mm-hmm. yeah, actually negative interest, quite heavily negative interest rates. Mm-hmm. It doesn't reward the savers at all. But I think, you know, being Asian, a lot of people do save. So what's the harm in actually starting to raise interest rates and reward the savers and start getting things picked up there? Because at the end of the day, if people are going to feel poor about the day, you're not exactly helping consumer confidence, are you? Well, you know, one thing here is that, you know, if corporate make money, they will, you know, raise the, the pay, the salaries for the, for the savers, for example. You know, that's also, you know, another kind of cycle. You can't always expect that everyone save and nobody consume, nobody invest. I think, you know, that's the new era uh, for Japanese economy. Uh, you know, basically the saving rate, the saving they have in Japan is really kind of too high. So somehow reduce some kind of uh, saving is not a really bad thing for Japanese economy. I think, you know, for the capital markets perspective, definitely this is a good sign. Maybe for some kind of, um, you know, Savers, especially the you know old generation, definitely this is not really good thing. But the government needs to provide kind of subsidy on that. You know, that's somehow you know another kind of balancing in acts uh, from the authorities' perspective. John, have you got anything? Um, no, I'm pretty much done on that subject. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, um, so if we're done on Japan. Um, should we talk about Hong Kong and Paul Chan's uh, comments over the weekend about the slower-than-expected GDP numbers f- uh, for the second quarter? I mean, the government have been trying to talk up the economy. The government have been doing a lot to try and talk up to the world about how it's going. But is it being a, fu- is this a futile attempt? I mean, what needs to be done to properly stimulate Hong Kong at this point? Well, maybe I can add one point here, which is that you know, definitely uh, if you look at the trading volume of the Hansen Index, it's hard to expect a very kind of strong kind of uh, rebound of the financial markets anytime soon. I think that's one of the most biggest concerns for the Hong Kong government. Another one, another thing is definitely the, the property market. Looks like you know the transaction volume again kind of uh, uh, softened recent, recently. I think you know two biggest issues here. One is the financial market, which is related to job market, and the other thing is the property market, which is related mm. to asset prices here. Yes, I think uh, you know it's increasingly reflecting what's what's happening in uh, you know in the mainland. Um, you know, more and more we become a sort of proxy for the ma- for the ma- mainland uh, financial markets and 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 the property market. Um, you know, until we get. Um, you know, tourism back, um, um, retail spending, uh, you know, coming from, from the mainland and so on. And that in turn reflects their, their own, pro- you know, property problems. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to take... We need a good rally in the, in the Hang Seng, if, you know, if you get the Hang Seng moving. Um, but it's entirely dependent on what's happen- happening with the... With the mainland companies, which now um, you know dominate dominate our, our stock market, I mean Hong Kong as a um, you know as a gateway for, for capital to and from China. I mean we're m- making all the right right um, the right moves there in, in reforms and, and new products in in the in the in the sector. But unfortunately, um, you know until we get invested demand, particularly foreign investment coming back uh, heading for China. Um, then, then uh, it's going to be a struggle. 
So the trip that John Lee's been on over the last week in Southeast Asia mm. and attracting all these uh, trade agreements across the Southeast mm. Asian nations, is that a good place to start? And then maybe you might mm. not get the West world that's, Western world that's looking at Hong Kong per se today, mm. but if we start with Southeast Asia and then we can try and build from there, is that, is that, a, you know, is that something we can look to build from? Yeah, I think he's, he's doing all he can. I think that these, uh, these initiatives, I mean... In, you know, incrementally, um, it, it, it can make a difference. How? Yeah, I think, you know, definitely, uh, you know, uh, Southeastern uh, uh, ASEAN countries definitely attract a lot of kind of uh, money flows uh, into uh, the region in the past uh, two or three years. So I think, you know, basically uh, we can see that, you know, there's uh, against a big, very big kind of geopolitical, geopolitical changes or landscape changes in the past few years as well. As well. So uh, for me, I think, you know, uh, basically if you look at compare Hong Kong and uh, Singapore, and definitely looks like, you know, Singapore look attract kind of more kind of, uh, uh, you know, Europe, uh, American kind of uh, capital, you know, flows. And uh, of course, Hong Kong is still struggling here. And of course, but one thing here is that, you know, over the past weekend or past week, we do see that sentiment in the hands and index has uh, quite quite improved quite a lot uh, due to the, the so-called you know China's uh, property uh, kind of uh, easing measures. So I think you know uh, this kind of trend, if can continue, will definitely help you know the hands and index in the couple, next couple of months. Uh, but fundamentally, I think you know uh, China's growth model still need to be uh, kind of uh, diversified uh, from long-term perspective. Okay, um, I've got about 20 seconds. Um, so what should we look for this week, John? Um, yeah, con continuation of the, uh, the rally on Wall Street, I think. And hopefully, I think that's what's happening. We're just getting a little bit of, um, of uh, you know, back backwash uh, into into the Hang, Hang Seng market because it does look very cheap, um, I would say that. And how? You're yeah, I think yeah, I will definitely look at another one uh, important currency, which is Chinese yuan. I probably, I think oh. we'll see another kind of rally uh, this week. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, that was John Schofield and Hao Xu.